Welcome to the Clay Young Show. Well, the elections in Louisiana are over. No, not so fast. Just the first round of them. We've got another round happening in about four weeks as the runoffs will take place. And on today's show, we'll talk about what happened last Saturday with Louisiana Secretary of State Tom Shedler, who will be making his return to the show. And actually, Tom won re-election this past Saturday over his challenger, Chris Tyson. Tom's a good guy. And we're going to talk about the turnout. Now, the turnout from this past weekend in Louisiana was under 40 percent, about 38 and a half percent statewide. The weather was bad. The games were going on. But still, man, I can't ever think of anything that's happened on an election cycle that would make me just not go and vote at all. Now, I know a lot of people jump on soapboxes about the importance of voting and they talk you know, to people about it. I won't do much of that here except to say, you know, if we really want to change a lot of what's going on around us, we got to get in the game. And your vote really is power. And when we vote in mass, we can move some major political real estate in our city, in our state, and certainly in our nation. But that's just me. So Tom and I will talk about the turnout. We'll talk about some of the elections that took place, some of the new technology that's going to be coming along to Louisiana voters. And pay attention to an intriguing scenario that could play out involving the Senate seat currently held by David Vitter if, in fact, he becomes governor. I think you're going to think it's fascinating because I found it to be interesting, and we'll chat about it more after our conversation or after you hear my conversation with Secretary of State Tom Ch- Tom Shedler. Listen, by the way, don't forget, hit that subscribe button for the Clay Young Show on iTunes. It's free there for your Apple devices. You can also get the show on the website, podcast225.com. You can email me there at the website as well. And of course, you can download that free mobile app from Talk 107.3 and you get the show there every week. It drops every Thursday. New content. We appreciate the feedback. Keep it coming. Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. As we do this show, the presidential debate will be on Wednesday night. Probably won't have a recap of that on this week's show. Maybe more along the lines of next week we'll talk about the outcome. I will say this, though. Trump has got an issue. Ben Carson is now the lead dog. And the question becomes, how do you attack Ben Carson? And I'm assuming that's going to be a big part of the debate that'll take place on CNBC. But anyway, like I said, we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Up next, Secretary of State Tom Shedler on The Clay Young Show on podcast225.com. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. Here we are right after the elections. The Secretary of State, Tom Shedler, is in here fresh off of his victory lap. He's even got his sneakers on in the studio. (laughs) Well, as we said, he won re-election pretty handily here. And uh, over the past weekend, we learned a lot about who's going to be leading the state over the next four years. So, Tom, first up, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Clay. I appreciate it very much. And uh, enjoyed being on your show, I think, a week or two before election. Yeah. Glad to be back. But... uh, no, it, it, it went well, and, uh, you know, my opponent ran a solid little race, and yeah. uh, he and I have spoken, and uh, we'll probably get together. I've always been friendly with everybody. I've, I mean, mm-hmm. it was my eighth time, and I've never had an enemy uh, after an election. I always kind of bury hatchet, and we'd have, we had a great on 
nasty race oh, uh, sure. amongst many nasty races. Sure, sure. So a lot well, of people complimented this. On so that. let's start off. The the turnout was a little over thirty eight percent. Yes, very very disappointing, very dismal. And, uh, it was in North Louisiana in the earlier part of the day. It was raining. Shreveport was getting pummeled on Saturday morning. Correct, all day. And EBR, the rain started, I guess, around lunchtime and stayed, stayed torrential through the day. I voted early Saturday morning. And there were not many people there. And you can always tell because you can see that that some of the people at the polls are a little restless on times where I've been there where it's a lot of people coming in rushes. You can tell. Did you hear anything during the day that was concerning? Anything that was going on in any part of the state that was worrying you? No, it really didn't. I mean, it was uh, steady was the reports. uh, Moderate to slow was the dominant. Mm -hmm. A few heavy, but those were in the minority. Uh, but the, the rain certainly was a factor, especially yeah. North Louisiana, because it was the entire duration of the day, as you indicated here yeah. in Baton Rouge. It came on later, and in the New Orleans, North Shore area, later than that. And certainly that was part of the factor for the uh, dismal turnout. And I think you couple that with the things we talked about, voter apathy, mm-hmm. anger, mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. those ingredients, uh, and then negative ads. I think it was a it was, when you got to that point, and remember we had that huge undecided vote that lingered there Almost forty-eight a third. hours. Yes, forty-eight hours. And and if you remember, not, not only me but any uh, political demographer leading up to it, uh, we were all in the same rough ball field of about forty-five, fifty, somewhat above fifty. But you had to put that asterisk on it, though. Mm-hmm. What was going to happen with that undecided? Because it was totally nothing historically to bench, bench an un, uh, uh, undecided vote that late on. So the yeah. question was, were they going to show up or not? They didn't show up. Well, and that's such a great point with, yeah. you know, at the top of the ticket with the governor's race all the way down. When you're talking about 25 to 32 percent, depending on who you were talking right. to, that was the undecided number a, f- a tremendous number in the last days before an election. If that breaks one way or the other, it decides who wins a race. Uh, and the governor's race had that broken on gel. It would have been a different story. It had it broke the Darden. Yeah, been on that's right. Even if it had been just two thirds, one third, one direction or the other would have been enough to overtake uh, Vitter uh, for that second spot. Uh, and, and Scott Angel almost caught him. Almost did. And, uh, but an interesting race, uh, one that will go down in the history book now. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, 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 the, the common question now for me is, uh, is okay, what's the voter turnout going to be on yeah. November 21st? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Saturday before Thanksgiving. We were, we were off enough. So yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to get out there too far. <laughs> but, you know, historically, if you look at historic uh, issues, uh, which we did leading up to it, you know, your, your general is always smaller right. than your primary. Now, right. there are some exceptions. We mm-hmm. went back and looked at some of that. And um, one that comes to mention is the infamous Edwin Evers, David Duker. That's right. Had a larger runoff outcome, I mean, a, a participation than, than the primary. I don't put that race, this race, in that category right. by any means. But it, it's going to be a nasty race. We already see yeah. that already. Yeah. And, and, and uh, but it didn't wait till Sunday morning. I guess it actually started Saturday night. But, started Saturday night. But, but um, I think that's unfortunate because it is a critical time in this state's history with the budgetary woes we have and that's other right. issues that uh, we need to get to the meat of the subject. I know they have, uh, I think, tentatively agreed to two debates, which I think is great. Uh, just hope everybody shows up. Uh, but, you know, I think it's important for the voters of Louisiana to listen to both candidates and ascertain what their true positions are and make a determination. And, and that's what you should do. You know? Well, it's, it's so interesting. The let's let's go into the numbers before we move forward. Yes. When you let's let's start with early voting. What did the early voting turnout numbers early, look like? early voting was 14000 votes less than November. And wow. so when we looked at November, that congressional election, that's right. we went 51 and a half. Yeah. So that was a 6% drop-off. So yeah. that's why I kind of, I think when I came on your show last, I adjusted myself. We were, some pundits had it 45 to 54. Yeah. I went 45, 50. But I said I lean more to around 47, mm-hmm. 48 because mm-hmm. of post-early voting. You know, we think we were in the middle of yeah. early voting. Um, 
that didn't pan out. It was really that undecided uh, that this didn't show up. They for, didn't for show up. For either weather reasons or lack of interest or frustration or they just didn't know who to vote for, so they didn't vote at all. So let's – I want to dig more into those early voting numbers, mm-hmm. but let's stay there for a little mm-hmm. while. The percentage of voters now who say, I'm just not going to vote. Not that I wouldn't normally vote. We're talking about chronic voters who just decided, I don't like anybody, so I'm not voting. Do you think that's an anomaly, or is that an issue that we could be facing going well, forward? Well, I certainly hope it's an anomaly. Uh, now, uh, Clay, I have not really delved into the, you know, to give you some numbers there, there's roughly 800,000 what we would describe as voters on steroids. Mm-hmm. They, these are folks, uh, no matter Demo- what, Democrat, they vote. Republican, that's African right. American, white, they vote. always mm-hmm. vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those that's your core and where you go from. We have not yet uh, been able to ascertain, uh, and we're working on that, mm-hmm. of did those 800 vote? Mm-hmm. We, we, obviously, they probably did, but then you have several tiers above that. And I'll, I think we talked touched this, about on this with your last show. You know, you got roughly 86% of eligible voters in this state registered to vote. That's a great number, number right. three in the country. Right. But one of the things, matter of fact, John Cuvion is assisting me with that project. He was he, here. He was there last he, week. He's yeah. got some rough numbers that <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have him massage and get yeah. back. He says that there's about 11 to 12 percent of that number that has never voted, which is remarkable. Of the 2.8 million registered voters, he's saying what percentage has never voted? Some 10, 12 percent has never Fascinating. voted. Fascinating. So they register to vote, but that's got to be on the younger end. It's on the younger end, but also think about our, our big pushes of, of registration pushes always before typically a presidential yeah. election. I mean, you're talking and, a quarter and, million and, people. And to, and to a certain degree, your uh, uh, lead up to a statewide. Yeah. Yeah, all the registration drives yeah. and everybody got everybody registered. But I, I often laugh. I go, what difference does it make if half of these people aren't going to show up? You know, so and then he goes on to say that. You take that off the top, and then you go another. Don't hold me to these numbers because we want to massage them. There's a, another pretty serious percentage, right. in his opinion, that only votes every four years in a presidential election. Then there's another layer that goes presidential and statewide, and then you get down <laughs> to that local proposition, local community vote, whatever. You're down at these twenty, yeah, twenty-five, yeah. Is, does he believe, and I'm going to have to ask JC about this, does he believe that's a Louisiana thing, or is no, that a trend that's it's, happening it's, na- it's nationwide? Believe it or not, we, we actually, uh, uh, you know, I'm active, I'm president of that National Association of Secretaries of State. We are higher than the national average in voter participation. And, and uh, that's and, pathetic. And the highest in the deep south, in the southern states. <laughs> that's pretty so depressing. That is very depressing. So it's not just a Louisiana problem. It's a, it's a nationwide problem, and I, and I think it starts with everyone's frustration of, yeah. of Congress, of yeah. which the gridlock, and, and it, it, it gets filters on down. Yeah. And if you remember term limits, you remember it started with anguish over that's Congress. Exactly they right. couldn't get to Congress, so it fell down to legislators and school boards yeah. and local yeah. city councils. Yeah. The same principle, I think, here is involved. And people vote anger. You yeah, know, they do. If someone's really I mad. I say that all the time. Yeah, they vote anger. So if they don't like me, they're going to go right. out there to vote against me. They, may, they don't care who it is. They're going to vote against me. People and, will yeah. go. People, yeah. I would say people are more likely to vote mad mm-hmm. than to show up if they love somebody. If they, I just love this candidate. But boy, when they hate somebody. And the Edwin's Duke, the Edwin Edwards, David Duke race is the one. That's what drove it. (laughs) That's what drove it is is that you remember, I mean, you know, you remember all the logos on that. I mean, it was one of the more dismal points in Louisiana history, quite frankly. Yeah. And so going back into early voting, what part of the state participated the most? It was all over the board. We went down from uh, like a 12% rate to to some parishes, uh, if I recall, I think it was Bossier. Uh, in a much more Caddo, I think. Caddo. But you know, you, you, it, it depends. It well, you know, Caddo, Ka- George Soros is spending yeah. money in Caddo Parish <laughs> on a district attorney's that's race. Right. Most people don't even know that. But that they, they don't. But I'll tell you this it's a good point, though, to say that those local races drive voter turnout. 
people will get more excited about something like that. It was on 60 Minutes. I mean, it was right before the election, <laughs> and, and people really got excited about that. So that drives it all. A hotly contested sheriff's race in Lafayette yeah. Parish. Yeah. St. Tammany Parish, hotly contested sheriff's race. Those things drive vote more than top of ballot in many people cases. People cared about that That's stuff correct. more. It's because closer. The apathy for the governor's race right. was as high as I... Well, it was, it was pretty high right. four years ago because uh, Bobby Jindal didn't draw any big names into that right. race. And, you know, four years before then, he wins without a runoff. He's running against John Georges and Walter Boisseau and all of them. It's interesting now, though, now that we are into the runoff, and you said it earlier... This is going to be nasty. Mm-hmm. And if I if people think the runoff, the run the run up to the first run was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. I, I agree. And I'm not proud to say that, but you know, yeah. you probably want to turn your TV sets no off. No question. No, you're gonna hear you know, everything. Use your T bow to get those, those <laughs> ads out because I tell you what, I, it, it's gonna get quite uh uh, it may not be for sensitive young eyes. No, I, I think it's feeding a lot of the apathy, though. Right. Do you think about it? We have now been in an almost two-year political cycle. That Senate race that dominated everything last year went on for a year. We get right out of that into the build-up to the governor's race. There's never been a break. There have been political ads nonstop for almost two years in, the, in a row. That's got to have an impact on people. I absolutely think. And you know, you know my position on too many elections. I've been beating that drum for, <laughs> for, since the day I was just interim Secretary That's right. of State. And uh, we've made some headway, but you're right. Let me give you an example. Here we are. We just finished the primary. We go to November 21st with General. I don't know if people realize it, but in December, when everybody's getting ready for for Santa Claus, I'm going to be qualifying for the spring elections, municipal elections. So that's what I wanted to ask you about. Because there are, I just had this conversation with someone earlier today and then again yesterday. So let's take Baton Rouge, for instance. We've got a sitting school board member who is now going to be a city court judge. Right. We've got a sitting council member who is now getting ready to join the legislature. And we've got a couple of other council members who are in runoffs now. What was explained to me was if they don't resign and they stay through the end of the year, that someone can be appointed to those seats until fall of next year. Is that true? Possibly. There, there was a new law passed. You know, it used to, the benchmark was always if there was more, if there was less than a year left in a term, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't have to fill the seat or have a special election. If it was more than a year, you had to have an election. Okay. That was expanded to 18 months, uh, last legislative session. So okay. there is an elongated period of time there. So uh, that is, uh, I mean, I haven't studied those specifically, Clay, but I, I think you are accurate with that comment. Uh, now, someone can resign prospectively, okay. which would allow the body or the governing body to call an election. Okay. Uh, I think the date to get on the uh, uh, early spring election would be November 7th, I think. Don't okay. hold me to that date, but it's right up in the So this would be in March. That's correct. And so, but again, if, let's say, Tarvold Smith decides not to resign from the EBR school board... Uh, you know, until the end of the year when he's getting ready to take the oath of office. Which he can do. Which yeah. he can do. Right. Someone is appointed then, and would they stay there until the special election in March, or would it go all the way to the fall? I think in te- technically, he could, under the new law, I think he could go all the way to the fall. Which saves mm-hmm. us money. Right. And if we get locals to do that, and it's of, it's of their own volition, they right. have to choose, right. it will save us thousands That's in March. That's correct. That's correct. So now in the case of... And I, and I need to go back and check sure. that because I'm okay. trying to say that school board election, that's what I'm trying to... Because well, it was just last year. Yeah. So right, right. so yeah. he's only been in the first year of his, I think, second term on there. So would that... This person would be yeah. only there until the I, fall I, to... I don't... What I'd have to go back and check is that there was, if there was any exception for school board. I know that okay. for local municipalities... And those entities, it was expanded from a year to 18 months. I do not recall if school board was carved out for any reason. It could be. Um, and uh, I, I'll check that. Well, and if you I, let me I'll know, and I'll make that. Yeah, and, you I'll, can, you and can I'll make an update to, list, to listeners right. here. So um, in the case of the Senate race, 
Okay. Or in the in, in Senator Vitter's seat, if he wins and becomes the governor, right. then what happens? And does he, he appoint his replacement? Well, you know, the conventional wisdom is yes, but let me give you this scenario that a lot of constitutional lawyers and lawyers have kicked around. Okay. You know, he he has to resign, and it's all fueled of when the Senate, U.S. Senate, accepts his resignation. Okay. But at high noon on Inauguration Day, he can't be a U.S. Senator. He has to have already resigned. You can, that's a dual office holding right. issue. So let's just create this scenario. High noon, he could no longer at that moment U.S. Senator. Noon, he becomes governor of Louisiana. If he resigns and that is effective 10 minutes before noon, the current governor, Jendo, would be the appointee, in my opinion. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. It's, wait a minute. it's all down wait, 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 to... Wait, wait. Yeah. Back up. Back okay. up. You're saying... Yeah. <laughs> now, this, now, let me just... Cap. This is debatable. If we had 10 lawyers in here right now, we'd probably have five going right, one way right, and right. one the other. So what you're saying yeah. is if, if he doesn't resign until... Ten minutes before he takes the oath of office as governor, Jindal would become the senator. If well, he wouldn't become the senator. He would be the appointing. He would be the he yeah. he would be the appointing. Yeah. Right. Oh. Now, now the scenario probably would exist that that would be effective at high noon, and at that point, <laughs> any, any chance any chance Governor Jindal appoints himself. Uh, I don't know if there's any prohibition against that. But oh, I, boy. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, greater political scholars and, well, legal scholars would, would probably debate this. But, the, but it, it is an interesting debate because it's, it's the, the, the key point there is when that resignation takes effect versus when he takes office. So he, uh, assuming a, a Vitter would be a governor under that scenario, he can't appoint until he's governor. So, yeah, that's right. He, he can't. He, you're right. right. So if he resigns before he taking resigns the before Jindal it, gets to a point, there is a vacancy that's oh, created oh, oh, and the oh. current governor appoints. the. But he has to resign before taking the oath of office. So, I mean, I, I, I guess if, if if you could orchestrate oh, that simultaneous high noon resignation versus waving your hand and you've already got your appointee ready, his first action would be appointee. So, in other words, you're honest. You're, yeah. you're submitting your papers just <laughs> yeah. before you put your hand on the Bible. That's exactly right. Wow. So, I mean, like I said. This it, is Louisiana. You know that, that could play out exactly it. that way. So, so, you know, that's a question really for uh, an attorney. But I know inside of our office, uh, our legal staff and some others that we've been – have just raised that issue, and I don't think there's any definitive answer to it, but oh, it man. certainly is one for debate. Mm-hmm. Wow, you threw that one at me. I didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that one coming. Now, now, now May cast my press secretary, what he meant to say, Clay. <laughs> he, he shouldn't have ventured into that. But, By the but way, Meg is it, phenomenal. Well, thank you. It, it, it's really a highly legal technical question, but uh, it, it's, it's one that, it's it's great conversation piece over coffee because it uh, is uh, a bunch of attorneys sitting around, especially Constitution, would, would, would because he can't it, hold those offices at the same time. Cannot be simultaneous. So the only way you can solve that is that resignation at the very moment you take you the oath of office. And as you know, they they schedule that as close as they can. So at high noon, that governor's raising his hand. And then depending on what's happening in Washington on the date of the inauguration representation might be required in Washington. Oh, you just gave me material for January. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> so Go ahead, so, so going forward yeah, You need now. to get some attorneys on two ends of that argument <laughs> I, I let, am, and I let am. them figure it but out. But it's a fascinating yeah. discussion, yeah. though. Yeah. And when they get it, would you have them call me? So I will, so, so have you in the loop on yeah, it. Yeah. So, okay, going forward, uh, talking about these elections and, you know, the runoff, mm-hmm. Uh, let's start first with Lieutenant Governor. Okay. Uh, Kip Holden was the top vote getter, followed closely behind by Billy Nungesser. Correct. Uh, turnout in this one, I think, was driven a bit by the top of the ticket. Correct. Can you see, Did you were you able to see where Holden's biggest amount of support came from outside of the capital region? Well, he, he had a pretty good showing around the state, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, Is it because he was the only Democrat at the, on I, I think, the, in the I think ticket? I think it's the same thing. Uh, you know, it was my opponent uh, issue, uh, yeah. and, and also John Bell to a, a certain degree. 
you know, John Bell certainly did at least five points, uh, maybe better than that than a lot of people anticipated. Uh, everybody thought maybe around 30, 32. Look, he I did thought 40. about 35, I mean, and he did 40. That was very yeah. impressive. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and I will tell you this for everybody out there that, you know, the, there's always a fall off. You know, you have, I think it was oh, yeah. uh, 1.1 million roughly in the, in the governor's race, and then you have about a 50,000 vote uh, reduction in the lieutenant. By the time I was third, uh, Secretary of State, there was 100,000 less votes uh, from governor to me, and it goes from there. It was one little anomaly in there. I don't remember the exact figures, but the attorney general's race was, was very an interesting race uh, actually I think garnered more votes than my race did so he comes next in line but uh, people maybe skipped over my race and went straight to that uh, attorney general race so uh, there's always interesting data when you look at all that so you know I actually I I thought that Buddy would probably have won that without a runoff I no you know, you know there was a I, I expected a runoff there. I mean, I, I don't know where that uh, deal goes from the end. I mean, we had, what was it, two other, three other candidates yeah. in that yeah. race, and I, I don't know where that vote breaks. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I felt that it would be, you know, all the polling data would right. indicate there would have been a runoff there. And so now, um, obviously, John Kennedy was in a strong, strong position going John, into John that. John ran uh, strong as he has for the last few times. I think eighty or right at eighty percent. Jim Donilon is Jim strong Donilon as well. Went, went and well. Everybody likes Mike Strain. Yeah, Mike Strain. I, I don't know anybody well. who doesn't like Mike Strain. Uh, you know, everybody uh, uh, other than those three races that go to a runoff, uh, all of us did to the field. Going forward, now having you know won again, you get a chance to finish up this year's elections, moving into this next cycle, mm-hmm. which will include East Baton Rouge Parish. Elections. Elections next year. What are some changes that you think we ought to we need to get into pretty soon to clean up some of what's going on? Well, you know, you alluded to this uh, too many elections. Yeah. Um, you know, right behind those municipal elections, I have to have a presidential preference. No question, primary. No question. So that's going to cost the state about four million dollars, and then I go right into the cycle for the presidential election. So there is no downtime. And you alluded to one of the reasons, uh, aside from public apathy, frustration, dislike, uh, anger, Mm -hmm. hate, whatever terms you want to use on it, but certainly the fatigue of the amount of elections we have in this state. And, And Clay, we've talked about this before. I did a study January of 05 to December 10. That 60 month period of time, there were 70 elections somewhere in the state of Louisiana. And how does that compare? I did compared it off, I think, 28 uh, southeast states. We were absolutely the highest. The closest was Georgia at 38, Florida 35, and North Carolina at 9. And I often say, look, a progressive state like North Carolina right. in 60 months can do the same job and probably better. Right. At nine elections, it takes us 70 elections? 70 I mean, elections. Something's wrong. Here. And then, you know, yeah. we go out of next year, which has the East Baton Rouge Parish races and just the ones that I know about, the school board elections in, uh, in Orleans Parish happen next year. We roll into year after next. We've got some congressional races happening again. I know the sixth, I believe, is up for grabs again in 2017. So it's like it's, it keeps it going. Goes on and on and And on. millions of dollars. It, to run a statewide election with nothing else on a ballot, ballot right shy of $6 million, about $5.8 wow. million. Dollars. I often tell people if you want to calculate even something down to a Mesquite district <laughs> with 10 precincts, it's about $1,250 per precinct. Now that's wow. everything. That's the commissioners, right. the printing the, the paper ballot, the draining to get the machines yeah. out, the whole yeah. nine yards. Right at $1,250. So so what do you do? What's your process of, sh- you know, shrinking the number of elections well, in Louisiana? Well, several things that we have done. Number one, uh, I was able to get Jim Fannin back in, uh, I think I was interim secretary of state. He passed a bill that did away with special legislative elections. Mm-hmm. Now, there was one exception in there. If you had a vacancy and you could have the election certify that individual to get into a session and actually vote for his constituents. That's a legitimate reason. But if it's after the session's over and you're into that period of that nine months or eight months where uh, there's no session to be had, uh, we did away with that. Mm-hmm. So of those 70, 32 were that type of election. And it was only one that fell into the exception. Now, I have to tell you, since we passed the law, I think we've had seven exceptions. But nonetheless, downward slope. We did away with the January-July elections. Okay, that, that helped. 
Uh, local governments weren't too happy with that, but we did. But geez, you know, I know. they want an election every month. Right. Well, and well, to that point, Clay, think about if you just had, and there's other complications yeah. in this because you got Orleans Parish yeah. has special yeah. elections, so it, it's and it's that's right. Their city council elections are in 2018. That's right. It's off. It's off by like a month. Look, yeah. when I ran for city council in Slidell, Louisiana, yeah. I'll never forget this. The, I was running, campaigning, canvassing neighborhoods, and the election in New Orleans was had. And if I had a nickel for every person I went to doing so, I thought the election was over last week. <laughs> you know, so Gosh. it is confusing uh, at best. But get back to that subject. I have railed on on Senate, uh, I mean, on state bond commission yeah. about these special tax elections, mm-hmm. renewals, and the like. Or how many times have you heard tax renewal failed? They want to come back and see if you really meant no. But the law says you can't have a redress of that inside of six months unless there is a declared emergency. But guess what? Only in Louisiana. There is no definition of an emergency. (laughs) So there's no (laughs) definition. So all it takes is the governing body to say emergency in their resolution, bingo. It goes to the governor, goes to the... But what we did to to short fuse that, I started voting against special elections. Mm. I was all solo. But we finally, and I have to give credit to, to uh, Treasurer Kennedy, mm-hmm. he appointed an ad hoc committee in front of the Bond Commission, of which he put me as chairman. Uh, he sits on a governor appointment, attorney general, and, and others. And we will now review those before they go to the bond with a recommendation in an effort to try to say, look, you can't have this election maybe here. Right. Or instead of waiting to readdress a renewal inside of nine months of its expiration, and then if you lose it, you get into this six-month window. Right. You can renew a tax exemption any time during that 10-year period of time. Why not get out there around the eight-year point? If you, if, you don't, if you fail, you've got time to readdress it. Let me ask you, mm-hmm. you represent the entire four and a half million mm-hmm. people in Louisiana. Obviously, those who are of voting age and who are registered voters to 2.8 million and change who are registered, you know, you deal with them. But what do you think about the concept? Because I think John Kennedy has done a hell of a job as treasurer. Done a, done a great job. If, if you guys are able as statewide offices, Mike Strain and Ag, Jim Donlin and insurance, the 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 attorney general, the state's top you know law you know attorney. If y'all were able to get together, and maybe you do, and this question is is one that doesn't make sense, but to talk about ways that you can streamline some of what you do to build a packet of of bills to have maybe want lawmakers to take under consideration, because you what you have said repeatedly now in two shows is you are trying to clean up the process to save taxpayers money. Correct. If that is happening across the board, I don't you think that's a decent idea to at least consider? Well, let me, let me say this. I, I, I'll, I'll say this. I don't remember. I, I know that uh, one of the candidates, Jay Darden, had made a commitment, I believe, yep. that he yep. would meet with all statewide elected officials yep. on a quarterly basis just to do that very thing you just said. Yeah. Uh, I need to tell you, and I mean, this is not anything that's being a revelation to anybody. I right. mean, over the eight years of Bobby's term, uh, I'll, I'll either say this, of my four years, uh, I know f- that I only met with Bobby as a collective group with that group you just mentioned one time. Yeah. Uh, somebody reminded me of some loose fit meeting we had uh, on something else, and I may stand corrected, but okay, too. Um <laughs> Uh, and one of them was called on New Year's Eve, where I guess there was a hope that maybe none of us could come, but we all did. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot to be learned. God, I love by, podcasts. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot to be learned, in my opinion, from uh, men and women who have served in, in the legislature and other capacities mm-hmm. to sit around. And I know I, in my office I have an executive committee. The buck stops with me, but sure. I sit there with issues, and we come together. And we discuss those because three or four heads are much better than one. And it's amazing no how doubt. many times no doubt. one person over here, and I encourage that, challenges it, and I go, wow, I didn't think of that. Right. You're right, Meg. You're right, Kyle. Um, so I like that style of management. Uh, quite frankly, uh, I, that was the way, way Jay operated when I was first assistant. It's and a I good carried man. Oh, as you know, he's a good friend yeah, of mine. Too. I know that. And so I like that style, and what a great concept to have. Um, I think almost every one of us, with uh, John Kennedy being the exception, served in the legislature for years, mm-hmm. one budget, uh, chaired committees. Wow, what a benefit to a governor. I don't know why you'd want to make that decision in a vacuum by yourself and, anyway. And there's so much knowledge right. there from 
the fiscal knowledge to the electorate, all the demographic right. information that you have right. about Louisiana. You want to talk about really fixing things just by having the conversation. You can do a lot of a lot of good on behalf of our people. I agree. I agree. And it's a shame. So this election cycle going forward, how often do people ask you about negative ads? Not specifically in your campaign, well, but just overall. They don't really to me because I don't have any any jurisdiction over that. I mean, but do you run into people on the streets oh, who comment about it too? Constantly. You? I mean, you know, elections is ideal. We do many other things, <laughs> yeah, uh, but, yeah. but elections, certainly during election season, uh, I'm the guy. And yes, if people will bring it up, whether I'm out to dinner with my wife or friends or whatever it may be, they're going to bring it up. And I will tell you, there was a huge frustration with negative ads. Now, the, now the, Not gonna the, get the guys who run campaigns will tell you, oh, people complain about it, but they respond to it. And, and, and I, I, that's the sad commentary. Yeah. Uh, so they promote a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I have always been resistive personally to it. Mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I mean, I guess it's all in the eyes of a beholder, but I don't ever remember truly a negative, nasty ad about an opponent I ran against. That's why I told you when I came in here, every opponent I've ever had has uh, not been an enemy for life. Sure. Or, uh, you know, I've broken bread with them. Uh, look, the parish president of St. Tammany uh, is a good friend of mine. I've yeah. gone to her condo with her husband and whatever in, in Destin. Uh, my opponent just out of this past race, we spoke. I told him, hey, Chris, let's let's go do lunch one day. So yeah. uh, it can be done yeah. if you keep above the fray with this stuff. And uh, But uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, to some degree, they work. And I'm well, it does move. It does move the needle. I mean, it goes back to the days of Lincoln, and when right. the only way of finding out information was the newspaper when you right. received it. Right. And there were slam ads and slanderous comments made yes. two hundred years ago. Yes, so it's always been around. Right. And it's because people pay so little attention to the details between election and election. You're almost doing a crash course on what goes on. It's like you know. Most people have never heard of the Bessie board and don't think about it until the election comes around. And as you know, that's been a big one this year. So outside of lowering the number of elections we have, we talked about technology the last time you were here. Some of the things that you want to do differently kind of reiterate some of that. Sure. You know, we talked about that uh, Go Vote app. Which was great, by the way. Thank you very much. Uh, And we get more and more hits on it the longer we go with it. And it started out right before 2012 presidential. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the ancillary thing that goes with that or, or extension of that is part of that program is the mock vote or, with a ballot mm. that you can take into the voting precinct now. I saw lots of people taking yes. that in there. And, you know, everybody always cutting clips yeah. out or recommendations. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you can just do it on your phone. That's right. Um, the, the natural extension of that is is us moving to this new technology of a voting machine, for a better lack of word, of literally an iPad, mm. uh, that you would take that. Now, look, we'll, we'll have those machines, a uh, limited amount for those who are intimidated by that type of process yeah. or elderly and what have you, yeah. until we get down the road another 10 years. But to think about the concept of you've already voted mock You pass that phone under the iPad, it populates the screen, you make sure that's what you want, Mm -hmm. cast ballot, you finish. And again, what you said to me in our last conversation is you're going to take all of the security that that relates to that under consideration so that, you know, we don't have a digital version of Florida in 2000. We're not out in the cloud. Yeah. There there is an ancillary piece that you can acquire because it obviously costs more. Sure. And there is a retention problem with it of paper. But there is one more step that could be achieved. You can, when you cast ballot, it prints that ballot and you mm-hmm. put it in a secure box. You don't walk out with it <laughs> uh, for another reason. That's but right. you, 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 it costs more, and of course there is a huge retention issue on that that would have to be addressed. So uh, we're not uh, committed to that part. But let me just say this: we will be going to the legislature with a, 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 an ask on part of this. Uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Now, not the best time to be asking for, <laughs> for 10 cents, quite frankly, That's but right. we're going to start that dialogue at least, even if I get turned down, because what I'm going to be proposing, and we already changed the law to lease mm-hmm. that equipment. Right. So much smaller capital outlay, and I want to start this in probably two, three cycles, start it with just early voting, register voters the first time. 
I'm not going to start another presidential election. We're not going to do that. And if I did, we'd do a dual system uh, for that first <laughs> well, time. Well, you but, said it the last time you were here, and we talked about maybe the most famous election of the last 30 years is probably 2000, the presidential election. Yeah. And the point you made about hanging chads and how the poll, the, the right. hole was punched, it's a great point of how antiquated that is when you're trying to decide a vote based on how a a hole is punched in a sheet of paper. Right, right, right. Going digital is great as long as it is secure. Right. And I will say to make sure everybody understand, we are not talking about votes out in the cloud. Right. It's a secure no, system. They right. transmitted on a closed It'll line. It'll be in that building. That is correct. And transmitted on a closed line because the system now for everybody's edification is that there's a cartridge for every machine. And mm-hmm. that commission of a charge on the morning of election picks those up at the local clerk puts those in the machine at the voting precinct. At the end of the day, those are retrieved after the paperwork is done and and the results posted on the door, as we always have for decades. Mm -hmm. That is then transported back to the clerk, inputted into a computer that we supplied Mm -hmm. during that week, sent to us, closed line, and that's what you see on nightly TV as as the results. And it's a chain of, I'm sure there's like a chain of signatures and security and everything. And think about when you go vote. I've often asked about, you know, fraud at a voting precinct. Think about it. Someone looks up your name. Mm -hmm. You go, you sign next to your name. Mm -hmm. You go into the booth. And we have several procedures that we have of checks and balances there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it's uh, we haven't had a problem on a count on an electronic machine, uh, I don't think, ever. Let me tell you, I went into there Saturday, and I go. You, actually, a line was building a little bit, but it wasn't as many as I'm used to mm-hmm. seeing Southeast BR. Go in, I might have been in there a minute. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, you, you hear the little chirp yeah. when you hit the button, I come out, and the guy... I was like, wow, that was fast. And, it, and I know what he was talking about, those constitutional amendments, but I had already done my homework. There you go. That's the difference. Because when you find out, you can tell when people, when those, when those amendments are not on the ballot, people generally go right in and get oh, out. No. What they're doing is they're reading them. And, you know, PAR does a great job of giving you a, sure a layman's term version sure of, do. but you know, what, what do we do in that regard? And I don't know if this is outside of something mm-hmm. you're even thinking about now. But how do we encourage more voter education about items like that? Not just voting for one person over the other, but the importance and the meaning of these constitutional amendments. What can we well, do differently? Well, number one, I'm, I think Louisiana passes way too many constitutional amendments, number one. <laughs> well, I've never seen a state with so many constitutional amendment changes. That's, that's the first part. That's problem. one thing, and yeah. Look, we were blessed. We only had four. We had 14 in November that's 14. Right. But but. It, it is an educational process. We use public service announcements, opportunities like this yeah. uh, to get out and, and express that. Every place I talk uh, during election season or lead up, we always mention it. But that's the advantage of that Go Vote app. Again. Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. It gives you that opportunity amongst friends or club or church, whatever it may be, to discuss those right. and determine how you want to vote and be able to go in there and do straight down <laughs> the line. Uh, so uh, it... it, it it's a tough process. Do you get fired up on election days? I mean, obviously, I you had your own personal business because right, you were running. Right. But on most elections when you're not running, are you yeah. fired up? How do you start I, the day? I, what's I what's I, your routine? I'll tell you what. I will tell you this. You get a nervous stomach because there's an old saying that, uh, that's been passed down and amongst my colleagues across the country. You know, the last thing you want on election night is a camera in front of your face interviewing you because they're not there to tell you what a great election that's you just had. <laughs> that's right. They're there to find out how you're going to solve this problem. That's right. So I'm very blessed. And I guess that's why a lot of people don't know who the secretary stated because you want to be under radar right. because you're doing a decent job if nobody's criticizing. You're like the referee. You don't want anybody right. to know who that's you right. are. But, but I, I will tell you this. If you look back at my legislative career of 12 years in the mm-hmm. Senate, uh, there was nothing that would have led you to believe that I would enjoy Secretary of State. I was not on Government Affairs Committee right. or any of the committees. I was more finance, health, and welfare chairman on the Foster. But I will tell you, I have become just intrigued. <laughs> uh, I guess as the ex-banker, I was a bank president for for years, and I, I, I love the numbers. Yeah. I love the statistics. And I have become passionate about the, it's almost like a paternal, I guess I'm at that age, I can say that. It's like a paternal thing to me, the protection of the integrity of the process and the procedure. And uh, I'm very passionate about it. And uh, You think about Louisiana. We generally don't have, for all of our reputation, and we've got one checkered past, you you don't generally hear a lot about that. 
here we are a state that does require you to show your driver's license or ID right. and sign when you get there. You never hear complaining about it. Doesn't make the news that it goes on. For everything that you Clay, can say about Louisiana, Clay, look at what we do there. Clay, let me just say this to you. The only complaint you ever hear is lead-ups to huge presidential elections, and it's always from somebody from out of state. Out of state. Okay? That's exactly right. And let right. me just say this. Louisiana was the second state in the country. Folks don't remember this. 1997, Louisiana instituted photo ID, number wow. two in the country, and it was approved by the U.S. Justice Department. That's right. Because we were Back when Bill Clinton was in office. We were in pre-clearance state. Yeah. So, you know, I, now, I will, in all fairness to that argument, we are an affidavit state, sure, and we talked about that to the lead up to the election, and that does distinguish us. And I've often told my colleagues in Texas and North Carolina, like, why are you trying to just make a pure full? Do the affidavit. It's already been approved. It's right. already been proven. Even people that are against photo ID, they go, well, hey, you know, if you're going to do it, Louisiana's got probably the greatest a middle road approach to it right. that satisfies both extremes right. of the argument. Don't make it political. Right. And, and that's absolutely true. I mean, we've had people that are adamantly against, but they admit, hey, if you're going to do it, this, this satisfied. Now, you got the far right saying, well, but you don't have a true photo idea if you do this affidavit. And you got the, the left side of the argument going, well, you know, you don't need it because there's no fraud. My point is it's a deterrent to yeah, fraud. that's right. Because you have to still go to your right precinct. You have to still be a registered voter. You have to sign that form and lie on it if you want, but you still have to know your mother's maiden name and social security right. number that's that right. voter. That's right. So it makes it real, real Makes it tough. hard. Okay. And, you know, I think sometimes in politics now, and the thing that frustrates me so much is everything is a crisis that deserves wall-to-wall coverage over every statement, right. every misstep. And I think the average person is like, I really don't have time to, to, for this emotional roller coaster, when something big happens, like around here a couple of weeks ago, the sad story with the Deplanchet family that you know that that's a real story that right. deserves attention and and emotion and apathy and whatever you want to say. Some of the stuff with people who are elected, little missteps. Here's the thing. If you're walking around with a camera in front of your face all day long, chances are on one day you might say something you'll regret. No, absolutely. I mean, I've got a bunch. That I have. That's why Meg's job is so that's, important. That's right. What he meant to say was or what you thought you heard, but you didn't. Well, y'all were all over it. Listen, congrats again on winning re-election. Hopefully we can do this one more time after the runoff. After the runoff, and, and we'll see what happens Uh uh, like I said, that's the big question of what that voter turnout is. I'm yeah. going to wait to after early voting uh, this time. Okay. But there's only one, uh, two scenarios that I know of in modern times where you had a larger turnout in the general than you did in the primary. Can't see This it. could be one, but I, I doubt it. it. I, I doubt, doubt it. it. That's the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Yes. It'll be a big travel I doubt weekend. It, I doubt it, I doubt it. Around here, especially, both LSU and Southern are off because right. the Bayou Classic is that the following correct. Saturday, and the Arkansas game, or is it A and M this year? Is, is it is, that Friday or yes, Saturday? I think it's on Friday. I believe. Fri- so you're not going to have a whole lot happening around here. People will be going to visit family, but the question is, how low will it go? Well. Uh, sure will it be about far. the same or will it be? You know? I don't see how it could go much further. But again, you don't have those local drivers. Uh, those, you know, a lot of those things were resolved. And so a lot of that pushes that local election turnout. But uh, I think at the top of the ticket and I won't ask you to comment on this because you're the chief elections yeah. commissioner for the governor's race. I think both guys are going to be working as hard as they can to scare the hell out of the public about the other guy. And that makes me ask the question, how far will they go to accomplish that goal? I think and pretty far. That, <laughs> and that could affect right. the number. Well, I, I will say this. I, we had about a 1.1 million voters for the governor's mm-hmm. race. I don't see it breaking a million. No. I, I think maybe 950, maybe no. even nine. No. Based upon what I've heard people say, and I won't repeat it yeah. here, I can't see it getting over and a Clay, million. And Clay, think about that statistic I told you earlier. 800 of that would be the chronic, chronic steroid voter. I can't believe Kuvion thinks that of the 2.8 million registered, 10 to 12% have never voted. He says he's got the data. So I see what I'm going to have to do is get get him in and we're going to try to figure it out. I'm going to get you both here (laughs) at one time and we can talk because I love the numbers. No, we we have already talked to him about uh, getting in there and actually proving that theory. He's brilliant. Oh, no, he is. And and, uh, and a few other things that because I think it's an interesting statistic because 
it, it flies. I don't tell you what could happen mm-hmm. real quick. Is that think about registration drive? Yeah. They put a lot of pressure on people. That's right. In malls. That's right. And if you if I'm with you and I'm not resident and I'm your friend, mm-hmm. I'm not going to want to let Clay know. No, not at all. Now, I may not want to. But, right. But I'm going to register. <laughs> That's right. And I think you have a lot of that. Yeah. So I'm just not going to yeah. go vote. I'm going to register. Yeah. That's even again. We're, we are what, 80, 85 percent? What, where are we hey, at? We're, we're about 85.6. 85 percent registered voters. Yeah, third in the country. Third in the country. And we had less than half of that show up Saturday. Right. Right. It's, incri- it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's just absolutely amazing to me. And, uh, you know, but I, I, we're going to keep plugging away at it. We, we're not going to give up. Uh, that's the most frequently asked question. What am I going to do about voter? Uh, you know, I, I had, look, I had one person at press club once when I spoke uh, I don't know if she was media or somebody else but asked me to quite accuse me of driving voter participation down because of my predictions <laughs> I said ma'am I am not that popular and well known I can tell you if I'm that powerful I need to go do a gut check but I, 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 would, wow. I would hate to think that because I say 45% voter turn of 50 that they're gonna people go whoa we can't break Shedler's prediction well, how, you gotta keep well, how it do you even reconcile I, that in your you know I I re- sometimes I wonder if the connection between Mount yeah. Mouth and brain is broken for a lot well, of people. I would say, um, uh, again, Meg was like, oh, you shouldn't have told that lady. I said, ma'am, I won't even dignify that with an answer. That's the most ludicrous so thing So people are heard. saying, well, we can't right. turn out because we want to make Tom right? Yeah, that's, it's insanity. But that's what I was accused of. So uh, I've been doing this 26 years and uh, 30 at the end of this. And it's amazing what you accused of. Well, listen, let me tell people, if you haven't done it yet, download the Go Vote app. I had some friends in Florida who had early voted. They wanted to follow the returns. They said, where can we find it? I told them to download the app. They got it on their iPad and they were watching the returns. It resets uh, every few minutes so you can see the numbers statewide, multi-parish and city anything races. You anything you want, My you can see in the Boulder, numbers. Colorado and grandkids and, and uh, son-in-law followed me uh, election night because they couldn't make it. Here. And it's free. Yes. So you can no excuse not to Absolutely get it. Absolutely free. Tom Shedler, a fantastic guy and a great Secretary of State. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Clay, for having me. Have you ever wanted to host your own podcast? Coming soon, Clay Young Enterprises and Podcast Two Two Five will be giving you your big chance. You'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment to create a podcast that you can be proud of. You'll have an engineer and a professional show open and close. The Clay Young Show is already considered one of the best podcasts in the state. Get the same audio quality and professional packaging for your very own podcast. Stay tuned for more details. Your chance to have your own show is coming soon. This is The Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Interesting scenario there with that Senate seat, right? And also the technology that Secretary Shedler talked about in the show. That'll be interesting here in Louisiana. Always fascinating to hear the numbers, and hopefully you guys gained something from this, and you're enjoying what we're doing. We always appreciate having you here. Again, don't forget you can download that. uh, You can subscribe to the show, better yet, and it goes into your podcast app. You don't even have to hit, hit the button every week. Every time there's new content, it drops right into that app. If you're a non-Apple user but you want to listen to the show on your smartphone or tablet, just get that Talk 107.3 app from your Google Play Store and you can listen to the show there under uh, the content section. Just look for my name and the last few shows show up there and there you go. And of course, as always, you can go right to the horse's mouth, podcast225.com. Talking about politics makes you think about another end of a horse, but that's another story for another day. Have a great one, guys, and we'll catch you next time on podcast225.com. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.